Welcome to the Ohio State University Winter Quarter Commencement, held Sunday, March 16, 2008 at the Jerome Schottenstein Center. 1,384 graduates received their diplomas. This quarter's commencement speaker is Stephen A. Davis, Chairman and Chief Executive Officer of Bob Evans Farms Incorporated. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome one and all to the 383rd commencement of The Ohio State University. We are pleased to have you as honored guests as this university bestows academic degrees upon today's graduates. The journey to your degree was fueled by a passion for learning. Your college days also were fueled by cold pizza, dry cereal straight from the box, and macaroni and cheese. Our speaker today knows all about that, not only because he remembers his student days on a budget, Stephen Davis has had a very distinguished career in the food service and food products industries, providing leadership for some of America's best-known brands, Kraft General Foods, Pizza Hut, Long John Silver's, and A&W Restaurants. In 2006, he was appointed chairman of the board and chief executive officer of Columbus-based Bob Evans Farms, Incorporated. By the way, I'm sure some of you enjoyed a Bob Evans breakfast this morning. I think you'll be appreciative of that, Steve. Uh, he hit the ground running at Bob Evans, and his leadership is widely credited for strong sales growth. Black Enterprise Magazine described him as a seasoned restaurant executive with strong operational and marketing skills, and in 2005 named him one of the most powerful African Americans in corporate America. Stephen Davis combines industry leadership with active civic engagement. His work to increase access to higher education for lower-income children and last year led Central Ohio's Operation Feed Campaign for Needy Families. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome an outstanding leader in his industry and in our community, Steve Davis. So how are you folks doing today? Oh, I know you got more energy than that. How are you doing today? All right, where are all the parents? How are you feeling? I got news for the graduates. They got a bigger smile than you have right now. First and foremost, I'd like to thank the entire Ohio State University for giving me this wonderful opportunity and really a chance of a lifetime. I'd also like to thank Dr. Gordon Gee for his friendship, his generosity, and leadership to this awesome institution. He has very high expectations for Ohio State, and he has his team aligned and committed and accountable to deliver excellence in education. Dr. Gee is a man of vision, passion, excitement, and courage. And speaking of his courage, he's really courageous to have a die-hired Badger fan on the stage today. But before anybody boos, we do have one thing in common. We beat Michigan in football. So go Bucks! OH! What is the world coming to? You guys can't tell anybody in Wisconsin I did that. They'll take away my Badger card. 
I'd also like to thank my family for their undying support to me. They have sacrificed a lot for us to be where we are, and my wife and two daughters are over in Section 122, so uh, I love my family and thank you for the support. And we've lived in Columbus now for almost two years, and I've got to tell you, Buckeye fever has swept through our household. When we were getting ready for last year's OSU and Wisconsin game, my eight-year-old daughter, clad in her scarlet and gray, said to me, sorry, Dad, but we're, cheering, we're not cheering for Wisconsin. We're cheering for the Buckeyes. I then said to her, honey, it's okay to cheer for OSU because just remember this conversation 10 years from now when your tuition bill is due. <laughs> Let me take a moment to brag about The Ohio State University because I got to tell you, all throughout my life, we had a lot of respect and admiration watching from afar because during the 70s and 80s, we had a family tradition and that was to pick a Badger football game we thought we could win because we weren't that good back then. We never picked the OSU game because Woody's team would just kick the stuff out of us. The question wasn't whether or not the Buckeyes would win, but by how much, because I remember scores of 59 to nothing, 56 to nothing. Archie Griffin would run forwards, backwards, sideways, all over us. And from 1970 to 1979, Wisconsin had a 10-year losing streak versus Ohio State, and during that time span, Ohio State scored a total of 395 points, and Wisconsin scored 74. So after several decades of complete slaughter and annihilation, in 1990, Wisconsin made a leadership change. They recruited Barry Alvarez from Notre Dame, and his coaching staff turned the football program from a conference doormat to a team that challenges the top three for Big Ten dominance every year. And similar to the high standards set by Woody Hayes, both Barry Alvarez and Jim Tressel are examples of coaches who align their teams around winning, are committed to excellence, and hold their teams accountable to high standards. Now let me segue back to today's commencement. Today's graduates, Generation Y, will face very different challenges than the baby boom generation and Generation X. The economic environment you'll be confronting is not our finest moment in American history. We have a war that many cannot understand what's going to happen next. We have one of the worst financial and housing crises in two decades. Cancer is one of the leading causes of death in the U.S. and in Ohio. Oil prices are over $100 a barrel. The dollar is at an all-time low. Unemployment's on the rise. The budget deficit's at an all-time high. You're probably waiting, where's the good news, Steve? And since 1990, health care per capita has tripled. Has tripled. Our educational system is falling behind globally. In recent worldwide triennial math and science tests, the U.S. placed in the middle of the pack of 57 countries. Finland placed number one, followed by Taiwan, Hong Kong, Canada, and South Korea. So why should you walk out of here today with energy, excitement, and enthusiasm? Well, I'm telling you, we should be optimistic because the answer to our challenges will be solved by the future leaders sitting right here in this arena. America is about to face a huge talent shortage. According to futurist Ed Barlow, baby boomers, who are now at the front end of retirement, outnumber Generation X, the group born between 1965 and 81, by more than 25 million. So net, there will be a shortfall of 10 million jobs in the next three years. Every occupation of consequence will be short, he said. Now over the past 30 years, 
I've been working in corporate America, and I've had to work on several business turnarounds. And I think we'd all agree that America is in a turnaround situation. We have clearly been great in the past, but we have lost some of our luster. So today, I'd like to share with you three key success factors a leader can use to turn around any situation. And these factors can be applied to any or all of your chosen professions. The first success factor is talent. Why is the James Cancer Hospital one of the top 15 research institutions in the nation? It's because of talented people like Dr. David Schuler, Dr. Michael Caligari, and Dr. Robert Bonson, and other talented professionals who have dedicated their lives to cancer research. They now have the responsibility to nurture and develop the next generation of talent. Speaking of talent, at approximately 4.30 p.m. today, The Ohio State University will officially unleash 1,882 talented leaders. And I've got my money on everybody in this room. So we want you all to walk out of here excited about the future because in Section A, where's Section A? We have the math, the physical sciences, social science, and medicine graduates. Where's Section A? Let me hear you. Where are you? In Section B, we have food, agriculture, environmental sciences, arts, biological science, and humanities. Let me hear your enthusiasm for where we're going. In Section C, the PhDs, the master's degree, the business school, and the pharmacy graduates. Are you in the house? And in Section D, we have the engineers, the education and ecology majors, the nursing, social work, and dentistry graduates. Let me hear you. These people are going to change the world. Regardless of the challenges we face, we've got the talent in the house. Because over the next several decades, their skills and talents will be in very high demand. We have more graduates than problems. And we must ensure that just because there is a talent pool shortage, it doesn't translate to a leadership shortage. The second business factor, or success factor, is innovation. Innovation is found in the form of new discoveries, like the internet, like the iPod, like Bob Evans' new blueberry stacked and stuff hotcakes. <laughs> you wouldn't have loved me if I didn't do that. Innovation comes in the form of self-reinvention. In our highly competitive global work environment, you must continue to re-educate and reinvent yourself and your skill sets. Innovation also comes in the form of new ways of thinking about your next occupation, because over the next few months, your innovation skills will be challenged as you seek new employment. Creativity and outside-of-the-box approaches will be a must. And to compete worldwide, we must innovate with a global mindset, because the world is our innovation playground. The third success factor is leadership, and this is the topic I'd like to spend the remainder of our time together talking about. Earlier today, we talked about America's many challenges that we will face. Your job is to seize those challenges and convert them into opportunities. Where others see problem and chaos, you must see solutions and positive outcomes. Where some see impossibilities, you must see probabilities. You must be ready to lead because our future depends on it. By accepting your diploma today, we are officially handing over to you the leadership gavel. You are now equipped to lead and you will have an obligation to be great in your chosen profession.
So how do you achieve greatness? Greatness is achieved when you match your passions with your God-given talents. Everyone in this room has the potential to be great. But to realize this potential, you have to make an important paradigm shift. Because from kindergarten to college, your success model was to be rewarded for individual accomplishments, such as your GPA, your SAT, your class rank, whether or not you took AP courses, your LSAT score, and so on. Now, all of you are familiar with the acrostic of team, right? Together, everyone achieves more. And we all know that there is no I in team, but there is a me. Success in your chosen profession requires you to transition from me to we while adopting a servant leadership mindset. Net, you must become a team player. And regardless of your chosen profession, you will most likely lead a high-performing team. If you're pursuing medicine, no surgeon performs without a medical team. In law, you will be part of a legal team. And in education, you and a team will be responsible for educating our future leaders. All great leaders are change agents. And sometimes change is evolutionary, other times change is revolutionary. I think we can all agree that America is in serious need of change. Evolutionary change in some cases, while revolutionary changes will be necessary in others. So to be an effective leader, you will need to master the art of leading change. I'll give you a simple acronym for leading change, and it's something I've called ACA, and it stands for Alignment, Commitment, and Accountability. And I want to spend a minute on each of these three. Let's start with the first letter, A, and that's alignment. The first step is to get people aligned around a common cause, but someone has to set the vision, and this is where you come in. You, as the visionary leader, must create the bridge from how we get from the current state, the here and now, to the much more desired future state of where we need to get to. Aligning teams on the surface may sound easy, but that can be the most difficult phase. Your vision has to be simple and clear, and most important, it has to inspire people to believe that although a goal may not be easy to achieve, it's something that can and must be done. To gain alignment, it is equally important to rally people around a common goal. So whether it's a high SAT score for your students, the reduction in the occurrence of infectious diseases, sales and profit targets in business, or winning the national championship in sports, goal setting is critical. A goal is the compass that keeps your teams focused, energized, and engaged. I used to work with a not-for-profit organization in Dallas, Texas called the Turner 12. John Carter, a former teacher and a visionary leader, set a goal to identify 12 seventh graders from one of the toughest housing projects in South Dallas and get them to attend four-year colleges by their senior year in high school. They had a motto, and the motto was, if you believe, you will achieve. And achieve they did. Seven years later, these 12 high-achieving inner-city youth graduated in the top of their class. One was the class valedictorian. All 12 students are now attending four-year colleges because of their unwavering belief in John Carter's vision. The second letter C stands for commitment. Once people are aligned with your vision, you want them to be energized and enthusiastic. People will commit when they internalize the vision both intellectually and emotionally. The team's goals become a call to arms once you have captured their head, their heart, and their hands. And to gain commitment, your vision and message must resonate and strike the chord of reality in your constituents. It must engender the emotion where people see 
Reality is what it is. Now, what are we going to do about it? Commitment increases as the boldness of your ideas get people to rally behind your vision because you take them along for the journey. Team productivity is always higher when the team feels like they're the authors of the solution. The final letter stands for accountability. And as a leader, you not only have to set high standards, but you must hold yourself and the team accountable to excellence. You must be unwavering in your quest to achieve excellence. Excellence must be a mandatory standard and a non-negotiable. It is a dynamic comparative because every year you must reset the bar of achievement. The importance of leadership accountability is highlighted in the book, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team, by the author, Patrick Lencioni. And he says, leader accountability is the hardest leadership trait. It's not natural. It's potentially tension-filled. And for most teams, accountabilities mean that team members must be willing to call their peers on behaviors that might hurt team performance. Team members potentially avoid accountability due to the personal discomfort that comes from calling a peer on his or her own behaviors and a more general tendency to avoid difficult conversations. Holding your peers accountable means that you must be willing to enter the danger zone with one another. This can only be accomplished when trust, healthy conflict, and, con and commitment are sufficiently high. We'd be remiss if we didn't thank all of the parents, grandparents, teachers, administrators, and role models in their room for their commitment to our graduates' lifelong learning. Without your vision, leadership, alignment, and commitment, and accountability, we wouldn't be where we are today. The Winter Quarter graduates here today are proof that together everyone achieves more, and we thank you for your personal sacrifice and commitment to long-term learning. So in summary, the best leaders are innovative thinkers who set simple and clear visions, get teams aligned and committed, and hold them accountable to the highest performance standards. I'd like to close with a quote from Robert Gozueta, the former chairman and CEO of Coca-Cola. And he says, we are never able to change the winds, but it's within our power to adjust the sails. So today, grab your diploma with pride and get ready to adjust your leadership sails so we can change the world as we know it today. Everyone here can contribute to greatness. Let's go and be great together as a leadership team. Thank you. Mr. Davis, in recognition of your contribution to this 383rd commencement uh, ceremony, it is my pleasure to present you with the commencement medal. Congratulations on a great job. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And Dr. Gee, uh, we have a lot of OSU grads. Our CFO is uh, an OSU grad. Mike uh, Townsley, who's the president of our food product group, is an OSU grad. The Berry brothers are OSU grads. I could go on. And what we have for you here, uh, we're going to give Dr. Gee, it's called a uh, Southern Ohio Gentleman Farmer's Deed, and we're deeding to you one square foot of land on the Bob Evans farm. So oh, congratulations. Oh, Thank you very much. And with one square foot of land, I'll probably ruin it because I don't know how to grow a damn thing, I can assure you. So. <laughs>
Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is indeed a glorious day in the life of the university and a significant milestone in your life. Over these past few weeks, you have reflected on the journey to this day. You remember that first quarter at Ohio State, how big it seemed to be. Ohio State is big. There are 470 buildings on the Columbus campus alone, and at first, you could not find anything. These two-letter building codes for your class locations were a mystery. CC is the central classroom building, not to be confused with the Celeste Chemistry Lab, which is CE. No wonder you were late for class. When you arrived here, Haggerty Hall was closed, then reopened. The William Oxley Thompson Library was opened and then closed. On High Street, Noodles moved in and BW3 moved up. You quickly learned the bus routes, the sidewalk shortcuts, and the secrets uh, to finding a good place to park. Or I might add, any place to park. Uh, as you graduate, this big place has become your neighborhood. Now, it is your community. It is home. One of today's graduates, Don Peterson, reminded me of something I said when I was recruiting her to play field hockey in 1992. It is as true today as it was then. You can make a big university small, but you cannot make a small university big. This is a place of big numbers and big ideas. It was made smaller for each of you by loyal friends, faculty mentors, special academic programs, student organizations, and memorable activities. Many of you are also made Ohio State smaller by working on campus. Aubrey Smith started working for the Office of Student Affairs the summer before her freshman year and has been there ever since. She answers the main telephone line for the office, filling calls on everything from landlord complaints to uh, lost buck IDs. The patients she learned will be a big help in her field of health management. Many of you have been involved in campus life, helping students find common interests and good friends. Xiao Sun of Bidwell, Ohio, is joined today by his grandparents from China to celebrate his graduation from the Fisher College of Business. He made good use of his summers interning on Wall Street because as part of a service learning trip to the Bahamas, he taught fundamental principles of business to elementary school children. Xiao also found time to chair the Ohio Union Activities Board Comedy Committee. This winter, the Ohio Union Activities Board hosted Will Ferrell's Funny or Die Comedy Tour. Somehow, somehow, I found myself on stage right there in this arena in front of 16,000 people, most of them students, being interviewed by Will Ferrell. Among university presidents, most of whom are dull, dry, scholarly, and stuffy, I can be a pretty lively guy. <laughs> but look at me. To Will Ferrell, I was fresh meat. It was brutal. But I did get off a few good lines, and everyone had a lot of fun at my exposure. A truly talented, talented entertainer is David Tolley, the composer of a rock opera about biology. Entomology professor Susan Fisher wanted to capture the attention of non-science majors in Biology 101. She collaborated with David and the School of Music. The opera included dancing DNA and the show-stopping song, Why Am I Not a Chimp? I suspect that song was not included in his dissertation. Today, he receives the Doctor of Musical Arts degree, so rock on, David. Some of you took a few detours on the way to graduation. Michael Wiley went from the Ohio State Buckeyes to the NFL Cowboys. He returned to his studies and receives his degree today. Michael Lockwood has been playing professional baseball since 1999 in the Oakland and Boston organizations. This academic All-American is also a member of this class. 
Quarterback Todd Beckman is receiving his bachelor's degree today and will be back in Ohio Stadium with the Buckeyes in the fall. And by the way, Todd, I have a couple of plays to pass along to you. Um, And speaking of finishing early, Kevin Slayton completed his undergraduate degree in just two years and two quarters. We didn't even get our money's worth out of him. (laughs) With a double major, with an honors thesis, Kevin has been named a Carnegie Endowment for International Peace Junior Fellow. He will be working in Washington on China-related projects. He is the first Ohio State student to receive this distinguished honor. You may have seen Aloha Pope of uh, Van Wert, Ohio, uh, as the star of an Ohio State public service announcement. Aloha conducted undergraduate research at Ohio State Stone Lab on Lake Erie. Scuba diving every night for five weeks, she studied the impact of aggressive non-native fish on native smallmouth bass. Her research will be published and, has, and will have a particular impact on the sport fishing industry along Lake Erie. Abby Yockham's uh, participation in the um, leadership program of the College of Food, Agricultural, and Environmental Sciences took her from Washington, D.C. and to Sao Paulo, Brazil. She has applied those leadership lessons across Ohio in her role as state vice president of the FFA Future Farmers of America. Ohio State has taken each of you many places on study tours and service projects, on film and online, in the words of a professor, in the company of friends, Ohio State has made the world seem smaller and your world bigger. We have challenged you to think about big issues and even bigger solutions. Graduates, graduates, today you begin your journey. I do not wish you farewell, but I wish that you will fare well. I send you forth with a few words of advice. Dream big. Be a good neighbor, a good parent, a good friend. Live Ohio State's motto, education for citizenship by serving others, seeking answers, solving problems. Play nice. In the real world, you cannot vote people off the island. Sing with the radio. Learn to enjoy silence. Always call home. Always save a little for a rainy day and always look in the bag before leaving the drive through window. <laughs> Embrace the new, respect the old. No matter how enthusiastic you are, never print your resume in scarlet and gray. <laughs> Have opinions, listen to people who disagree, never take career advice from Randy, Paula, and Simon. Remember how to spell. Text message, by the way, is not a second language. Do what you love. Tell someone thank you. Laugh every day. And always, always remember your alma mater. We will not forget you. Ladies and gentlemen, I thank you and all here today for giving me the honor to again be part of this most remarkable university. I offer you my personal congratulations my admiration and affection, my respect, and my best wishes. God speed every one of you on your remarkable journey. I thank you.